0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and today I'm really excited to dig into a topic that has a bit of a merge of two worlds here, product-led SEO, which I'm very excited to learn about. As the guest today, we have Eli Schwartz, who is a growth consultant and advisor, also former director of growth and SEO at SurveyMonkey. Eli, thanks so much for joining. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely, and then. Before Eli introduces himself, I also just want to give a shout. We have Bill King joining, who has been a prior guest on my episode. He does all the acquisition marketing stuff at Drift and knows way more about SEO than I do. So he will dig in on questions to make sure that everyone listening gets some really good insight from what Eli has to say. Bill, thanks for joining. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. So Eli, why don't you give us the the quick rundown of who you are, and then we'll go ahead and dig in.
1: Yeah, thanks, Matt. So it's great to be here. I am a growth consultant and advisor, and I primarily work with companies on helping them increase the organic visibility on search engines, which is really not an SEO consultant. And I try not to bill myself as an SEO consultant. And we'll dig into why my approach is a little bit different on this episode. But I work with companies on actually getting things done. So for all the people listening to this, who are within larger companies or companies, smaller companies that are becoming larger companies, they know that the SEO best practices are not how you actually make things happen. Because the larger the company, there are more people in place that just say, nope, that is not going to happen on our website. So what I do is I work with companies and teams on strategies that will actually help grow visibility with all the bottlenecks and hardships and all the personalities and politics that prevent any good SEO and good best practices from landing and being successful. So really excited to dig into how I go about doing that. And great to be here. Thanks, Matt.
0: Absolutely. So you've been doing SEO for like 14 plus years. And when we when we talked, as you had just mentioned, you said that you take a a different approach than most classic SEO knowledge out there. And I mean, my my best understanding of SEO is like you focus on keywords, you get yourself ranked there and then you wind up in search results. But as you said, you have a different take on it. And the term that you used when we talked was product led SEO. So let's start at the top. How would you define product led SEO, and then we could dig into like examples and what it would mean to implement that sort of strategy? So, what does product led SEO mean to you?
1: Yeah, so uh, I've been uh, in doing SEO for more than fourteen years, most of that within large companies. So my experience is based on working with large companies rather than just focusing on the the nuts and bolts and the tactics of SEO. And one of the things I discovered. Was that if you're running a really small site, you know, an affiliate site, you have the ability to sort of focus on keywords and do things that are potentially grayer. You know, build some back, like shady backlinks, do some guest posting, uh, and maybe we don't dig you know, too much into backlinks so we don't get any you know backlash. But do the things that really help you tactically get ahead, and then potentially get hit by a Google algo update, and then you know, come up with some other tactics and come out of that. Issue with Google and try again and then go back in. At large companies, that's never going to work. And large companies actually work on a, a much longer time frame. So the way I approach this is more from a product standpoint. So larger companies will have lots of people in different roles. They'll have a product person, they'll have a marketing person, they'll have a content person. You know, that's not going to be a jack of all trades. You know, one of the things I discovered is you know, companies I worked at got even larger. They split roles into product marketing managers who are just there to kind of tell marketers what to do and sort of bridge between the product teams. So the way I approach SEO is SEO is just another product with multiple inputs. So there's a content input, there's a design input, there's absolutely an engineering input. And when you're thinking of SEO from that lens, it's more of a strategic lens where you're building out something longer term, an actual product. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the examples, but it's not really about you know, and this is the opposite of product led SEO, but it's not about, let me go to a keyword tool, find a keyword that has a lot of search volume, create content around that, do whatever I need to do to internally link it, get some external backlinks. And that's my my product. That's my success. That's my success in SEO. In a, a larger company, there are sales teams that will, will pick up the ball and follow along with that user. So really SEO is about building something that adds a new channel, that brings in lots and lots of organic users that are looking for something the company has to offer. And this is by no means a fit for every company. You know, many times I talk to SaaS companies and I turn them down for working with them on SEO because I I don't think SEO is the right fit. I think it's, you know, it's not the right investment to put a bunch of money into building out an SEO channel when they should be doing partnerships or paid marketing. So really product-led SEO in a nutshell is building a content product that scales onto itself rather than building out content that is the product.
0: Yep. That makes a lot of sense. And one of the examples that you'd used for this when we chatted was around life insurance, like the examples that if you're a brand new company, you might not rank for quote life insurance Could you talk through that and then maybe I'll I'll let Bill jump in with some questions after that?
1: Yeah. You know, this came from a a recent conversation I was having with someone about Lemonade and, you know, as as a venture capitalist is looking into investing into a life insurance company. I guess that's like Lemonade. So if you're starting a life insurance company today and you want to generate organic traffic, so if you approached it from a typical SEO standpoint, you'd go to a keyword tool and you would search the life insurance vertical. And at the top of that would likely be the word life insurance. And they would have thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of searches per month. So you would commission your content team to write a lot of content that use the word life insurance, made sure to have the word life insurance in the title. Now, if you go to Google right now and you search the word life insurance, you're going to be facing a massive uphill battle to ever rank on that. And I think you wouldn't ever rank on it because you have companies that have been selling life insurance and building brands within life insurance you guys are in Boston, so Mass Mutual. you know, you have all the biggest insurance companies, they already have that ranking on it, they already have the visibility for it. So you as a startup, you're going to try to optimize towards our life insurance, and hope that somehow someone appends some words to that query, or hope that somehow someone decides that the first 10 pages of Google isn't relevant to them, and they go all the way to the back and they find you. So I don't think that would be the right approach to generate organic traffic for a new life insurance company that is sort of innovative and doing something that wants to generate organic traffic. And we can talk about some things they should do, but just going straight
2: after the biggest keyword in the vertical is likely never going to be successful for them. That's great, Eli. I think, I think one thing we can all relate to is, is the problem of distribution, right? We're all trying to get more traffic. We're all trying to get more users of our product. Let's take the life insurance example. What are the types of questions that a company like that would be asking and then how do they kind of go from the question asking to product-led SEO as the, the clear direction they should go in?
1: Yeah. So uh, in this conversation I had with the VC, he actually asked me how I'd approach product-led SEO. So in this case, I would say you would want to get at the user from a different perspective. So if the user queried life insurance, they're potentially looking for the biggest brand, they're going to see Mass Mutual. they're going to see Aflac. But now there are other, many, many other queries related to life insurance that you can be innovative on, you can be creative and you can create content around. And, you know, we are talking about life insurance. So I apologize for being morbid here, but you could now create content around your likelihood of dying. So like, this is how much I weigh, this is where I live, this is my lifestyle. What's the likelihood I'm going to die? Now, for each of these search queries, for each of these pages, there's potentially not a lot of search volume, but in the aggregate, there's a lot of search volume, and it's certainly not as competitive as just trying to rank on the word life insurance. And this is where you come into a product, which is you know what I call product-led SEO. So you're building a product around scaled pages. So you're not creating one blog post, which is I'm 55, I smoke, and I eat steak every night for dinner. Your likelihood to of dying tomorrow is high. It's really like you're creating content around what are the healthiest cities and your life expectancy in that city? What are the healthiest activities in the life expectancy in that city? What are the least healthy activities? So it's a scaled content product, which you're going to have content writers, but they're not necessarily writing a post or page for each of those topics or queries.
0: I think that that makes a lot of sense. And maybe we can attach another example to it of Something that people are super familiar with, and one of the examples that you had used previously was Zillow.
1: Yeah, so I don't have that much insight into the founding of Zillow. and of course know some SEO folks that were part of the team, but I don't know what their initial focus was. But I can be certain that when they were starting the site, there was wasn't a chance they were planning on ranking on the word mortgage loans. One of the places I actually learned SEO was working in the affiliate space around mortgages, hyper competitive. Lots and lots of shady tactics, and you know that helped drive the last recession, where you got a bunch of people that really weren't looking for loans, but it seemed so cheap, so they got loans that they shouldn't deserve. But affiliates and dirty SEO tactics definitely had a hand in that. So when Zillow started, this wasn't something they were going to do. They were going to target the head term. We're going to rank on mortgage loans, and we're going to generate a bunch of traffic, and we're going to do something different. Instead, they had a novel approach to how they were going to drive their SEO traffic, which was we're going to decide to rank on every single address in the United States. Now, if you plugged my address or your address into a keyword tool, you wouldn't find anything. If you plugged into Google, you were likely probably at that time going to find MapQuest or maybe Google Maps or Yahoo Maps if that was around. But the idea of ranking on individual addresses was certainly not a thing. And even today there isn't search volume around individual addresses unless The house is for sale and there's a lot of buzz around it. But in aggregate, all of those addresses add up to the majority of their traffic. So that's where they've created a product around SEO. And the thing I love the most about product-led SEO is the fact that SEO is the only channel to drive attention to this product. So for Zillow, they don't really have the option of doing paid marketing. Are they really going to bid on every single address in the country? Like many times people are just looking for directions to that address. Are they going to drive paid social to every address in that country? It's impossible. Could they drive organic social? Absolutely not. So really the channel to driving all this traffic to this really cool product of valuing people's houses and having pictures of people's houses is SEO. So like that is an entire product created
2: around SEO. That's a great point, Eli. And I think I'm a huge, huge advocate of the teams that have built their businesses off SEO, which is absolutely fascinating. I'm curious if you think that, if this can happen within an organization that isn't doing product-led SEO or maybe isn't so engineering-focused, I know the teams at, say, Zillow, Pinterest, LinkedIn, etc. are all they're all thinking how SEO is, is a core part of their distribution strategy. Do you think that there has to be a culture that is driven through engineering and SEO to succeed a product-led SEO? And have you seen organizations make this shift?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I find is that, When I'm talking to marketing teams, so let's say I talk to a CMO, they don't have any political capital to work with the product team and they just want to create content. So in order for them to really build out a sustainable SEO product, they really need to get that capital with the engineering team. They need to get the capital with the product team and build something that's sustainable for the entire company. If they're just focused on content, and many of them are just focused on content because that's all they know. I don't see that as, as becoming scalable. And, and the best way of understanding this is really the numbers that go into this. So when you're focusing on content, let's say it costs you $500 for a good piece of content or $50 for a terrible piece of content, you're essentially capped by how much money you have to spend and how many good writers you can find. So if you're really, really good at this, maybe you'll have 30 pieces coming out a month, but that's you, know, you count that up by the year, that's not that impressive, 360 pieces for the whole year. So you want to just continue to scale that and like what happens after 10 years? So 3,600 pieces, that's not very big. But when you come up with a scaled product led approach, the idea of having a million pages or hundred thousand good pages that all drive organic traffic, that becomes a possibility. So you do have to pivot to that mindset. You do have to get the buy-in. And the truth is marketing teams aren't completely siloed product and engineering teams do help them. They just have to help them on the right thing. So rather than helping them on like, Hey, Here's a quick fix for making CMS. It's like, how do we make this CMS scalable? How do we make it so we can create massive amounts of content that add a ton of value to users and that will grow our organic channel?
0: Do you think that this needs to be owned by the marketing team or can it be owned by the product team or does it have to be like a shared responsibility? Like who should lead this effort?
1: Yeah, it's a, that's a, a good fundamental question. So it is owned by the marketing team because SEO is viewed as a marketing channel. However, the teams I love working with, they usually are called growth teams. So they they bridge the gap between marketing and product and they can do both. And the marketing will sort of roll into them and product will sort of roll into them. So the reality is, is it's usually going to be owned by marketing. So we have to live within that world. In that world, I help them to make the right asks or help them to understand the right asks. So again, like I do think that marketing teams you know, they're not siloed. Let's say even, you know, a brand marketing team, someone is creating the assets for them. Someone is negotiating the deals for them, right? No marketing team is just completely siloed. And if they were siloed, that would just be an agency. You could just outsource that to an agency and they do the marketing for you and they just check in and send you an invoice. But if they figure out the right asks and they figure out which way they want to grow, they can completely get that buy-in. And the truth is they're creating a product. So why would product not be involved?
0: Yep. And do you feel like it could only be effective if it is owned and run in-house? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I think that SEO is something that you really, really need to understand what the product is. You need to understand the growth angles. You also don't want to make any mistakes that get you in trouble with users or search engines. When you outsource it, you do incorporate those risks of getting in trouble with users and search engines. But I believe again very strongly that most of marketing should be done in-house except for possibly paid marketing and you know SEO more than anything should be done in-house because you're building products it's about building relationships and it's one of the things I struggle with as an outside advisor that I don't have internal relationships and the best thing I can do is really coach my contacts and the team I work with on how to build those relationships and how to generate that political capital and you know one tip I find on generating political capital is that I typically I'll come into A potential engagement where they've talked to other SEO consultants. And one of the things the SEO consultants will always point out is page speed. So they'll say, oh, your page speed sucks. So first thing we're going to work on is page speed. Now, in in my entire time working on SEO, I have never, ever seen page speed pay off in visibility ROI. So I've never seen rankings and more traffic increase from Google because page speed has improved. And realistically, when companies and larger companies are improving on page speed, they're improving by fractions of a second, and it really won't do all that much. So one of the things I find and one of the early ways of, of building political capital is saying this page speed project you're about to embark on, which is going to cost you tens of thousands to millions of dollars because you know, maybe you're getting new data centers, negotiating contracts, hiring engineers. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do it for SEO. Maybe you need to do it for user engagement. Maybe you'll get more conversions when the users are on a page and it's faster to add to checkout when the pages load faster. But to think that you're now just going to get more organic traffic because your site is faster, I think is is one of the biggest fallacies in SEO. And the example I like to use is I was consulting with a company called Getaround, which is a car sharing company similar similar to a rental company, but you're renting other people's cars. So they are competing with all car rental companies. And one of the companies they compete with is Enterprise.com. And Enterprise Rental Car was uh, in business long before Google. Their domain was registered before Google. So essentially, it's now 2020. Their code is layered on top of code that is 20 years old. And their page speed score was one on Google's page speed test. And I don't think that that really hurts them organically. So obviously, many sites in that space are faster, but Enterprise still ranks quite well on all the terms like rent-a-car in Boston, rent-a-car in San Francisco, car rental, Obviously, they rank for their brand name. So I'm not a big fan of investing resources into page speed. So that's a really good way of earning political capital by saying, hey, don't do this project. How about we take those resources you're about to allocate? And let's use that for something else. Let's build a product.
0: So in this vein of making this decision of it's time for us to invest in like a product-led SEO strategy. Is there a really basic high-level framework for deciding if it's right for you or not, right? Like how do you know if you have a Zillow situation on your hands or if that type of SEO is irrelevant for you and you should just focus on other channels?
1: Yeah, so I, I love that question. Essentially, what you're doing is you're building a product and the way you build any product is you start with data. So you start with, either research data, or my favorite is customer data. So whether you're gathering that by having conversations with customers or running surveys with customers or potential customers, or if you have a you know, strong existing customer base and you're know, providing customer support, look at those conversations that customer support has had with the customers or email interactions. So you're, you're understanding that they, there is something they want here. And that's your validation that you're going to build something. Now, in many cases, I don't know if, you know, you're familiar with blue ocean versus red ocean strategies, which is this idea of like a red ocean is where everyone else is. You know, the, let's say you're creating a new taxi service, a red ocean be my new taxi service is just going to be cheaper than all the other taxis or I'm going to have more comfortable seats. A so blue ocean would be like, forget taxis. I'm making Uber. I'm just going to you know have non-taxi drivers and non-taxi cars be my taxi service. So and their growth, obviously, you know, they were growing into a space where no one else already was. So applying that to SEO, Blue Ocean versus Red Ocean SEO. So Blue Ocean SEO would essentially be there is no keyword search volume when I use a keyword search tool because no one else has created that content. That's exactly what Zillow did. So if you're looking at your user interactions, you're looking at your customer research, you're looking at your conversations, you can say this is something people really want. So I hope Zillow did that. Like people really want to know the value of houses before they make a bid on a house or they want to know the value of their own house before they decide to sell it. So using that, then you build out the product. So that's the first thing I would do, like approach it as you're building out any other product. Is their product market fit? What's our MVP to learn whether
2: this is something people want? What's our beta to see what we can learn from that first iteration? I love that because I think, especially in SEO, sometimes it's really hard for people to really state what their competitive advantages. I think what you're, you're cluing in on here is that these are specific hypotheses that have led people to strategies that have helped them grow. I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing I, I would add here really is that, again, you're building out something based on what users want. And you know just to add in a little bit of you know, technical SEO and jargon here. So BERT, the algorithm update that Google launched last year, many people on the search blogs, they said, oh, BERT launched, but I didn't see any change. And that's because that was an AI update based on search queries. So it's suggesting queries and putting people into completely different search queries than they intended or thought they intended. But Google saying, we think you want that. So going back to life insurance, you type the broad word of life insurance, and then Google saying, well, you want life insurance costs or life insurance companies. So they're trying to understand what you want. It's based on past queries. It's based on time of day. It's based on a lot of things, AI. And the best thing about that is the rankings aren't changing. It's just the query the user looks for changes. So that's where I think not using a keyword search tool is so important because the the truth is when you use that keyword search tool, it's still going to say life insurance is a very popular query. But the reality is is that Google is pushing people to not search that word. They're pushing people to search something more specific to them or more specific in general.
0: So let's say, let's say that a listener is someone like Bill and Bill, I'll let you lead these questions because you are the person (laughs) that would be wondering this. Like, let's say that We've decided that, you know, we want to implement product-led SEO. Bill, what are the types of questions that you would then ask there, maybe about resourcing or things like that?
2: Yeah, I guess it would just be like, how do you start solving for this problem? Like, what are the the ways you would approach the problem of product-led SEO if you were to, say, start this in your org? So the first, very first thing is to sell it, to sell the idea of building something long-term.
1: So very often, and Bill, we all know folks like this, SEO consists of daily tactics. Like I'm going to go in and I'm going to update my title tags. I'm going to go in and I'm going to build 10 backlinks or send emails and reclaim some links, or I'm going to add image alt tags on all of my images. Those are pure tactics. When I see an SEO roadmap, it usually consists of not even a quarter of those tactics, the idea first is to sell something which is going to be long term. To say, like, I don't want, I want to move beyond tactics. I want to move beyond X amount of pieces of content per month. I want to start focusing on something long term. Who is our search user? Something you might want to do first is figure out personas. Like, who are the people searching and what does their buyer journey look like? And I want to start building content towards that. This is not a one month process. This is a six month process, a year long process, a two year long process. So it begins with selling the idea of like, Please don't measure me on daily traffic. Measure me on the product I'm building. So within an organization, you have to create that paradigm shift towards this is a product. This isn't going to launch tomorrow. We're being forward thinking and we're doing it towards users. So that's the very first place I would start. Now, assuming you get that sold and you get buy-in on that, I start building out a product roadmap, just like you build out any other product roadmap. First thing I need to do is research. Next thing I need to do is start mocking up designs. I need to get people on board the team. I need to figure out launch dates. I need to figure out budgeting and resources, like all the things that you would do in launching any sort of product. And as you dive into this, you figure out the things you'll need.
2: So let's say you're you're listening to this and you're fired up and you're thinking to yourself, I can't wait to get started with product-led SEO. Where do you start with the resourcing? You mentioned something about creating an MVP, which I love the idea of starting light on resources, validating the idea that it can work for your brand and your specific niche and your vertical, how would you advise people who are maybe thinking themselves, how do I get started? Like, what type of resources should I be thinking about? Maybe they don't have a full team where they can just say, hey, design, content, engineering, et cetera. Like, how would you guide someone to creating an MVP for this so that they can prove it out and then scale it across their team?
1: Yeah. So I think it's a. This is a we should pivot to a different kind of question here, which is like, what kind of person do you need to be? And I'd say like too often SEO and marketers, they want to fit into a neat box, which is I'm going to do my SEO tactics. And I'd say like that could be career limiting because you're you're just going to go from company to bigger company and continue to do the same tactics at a larger company. Now if you pick up other skills outside that, let's say product skills, and you know, luckily for me in my career, I accidentally ended up reporting to a product leader, which is what changed my mindset towards the way of approaching SEO. I discovered that product people make a lot more money. Growth people make more money than marketers and SEO practitioners and SEO tactical leaders. So I'd say like the thing you want to do there is figure out who do you need on your team. So if you're a founder, you need someone that isn't just a marketer and understands SEO. You want someone that is a numbers person, you want someone that understands how to do research, you want someone that understands some technical aspects and can communicate with engineers and has some product jobs. If you are a marketer yourself, I'd say like emulate the product people. Or if you're in a small company, read up on doing product. Like Try to expand your role. If you're narrowly focused on just the people I have, I have an SEO person who's just a marketer, or just
2: knows technical SEO, that might not be the way you're going to be successful at product-led SEO makes a lot of sense and I, I i am i'm just curious so if you're driving this this motion internally at, at your org and you're thinking to yourself this sounds really exciting what are some maybe some pitfalls that folks go through when they start going down the path of product led seo that they should be thinking about or maybe some areas that you've made mistakes or seen other folks make mistakes where it would help them be more successful out of the gate
1: yeah the biggest pitfall is not understanding how big of a paradigm shift this is. So like I sold this many, many times within organizations. Now, Bill, you and I know that the way people measure SEO is with rankings. All they care about is the damn rankings, right? So you go into a a meeting and you sell them on this product led SEO. And then when you're done, they're like, okay, this is awesome. Like you get engineers, you get everything you want. And then they're like, why aren't we ranking for that keyword? And you're like, what the hell? I just told you like, this is not what we're going to do anymore. We're doing this whole different thing. So that's the biggest pitfall is like, you have to keep selling it. You have to get them, you have to like lose a good ranking and say, you know what? It doesn't matter. No one ever converted off that ever, ever. Like that is a dumb word. Like I, I work with some larger companies and they have like their their pages where they generate tons of traffic and it's completely useless traffic. It's vanity traffic that doesn't convert into anything at all. So if they lose the rankings, so their traffic goes down, maybe their board wonders why they don't have that ranking anymore. Maybe their board wonders why like there's a decrease in traffic, but it never will impact conversions. Like there's a company I've been working with for a really long time. Somehow they fell into the niche of spam. So like people, it's user generated content, people upload porn stuff, people upload all sorts of non-English spam. So it's harder for Google to identify, but they're also a really good site. like a lot of really good content and they're constantly getting hit by Google and Google's algo updates and it never ever impacts their revenue. Because all that content is useless. It does not convert into anything. All it does is drive terrible traffic. Luckily for them, that it's not a large portion of their site and their rest of their site does not get hit by Google. So that's really the idea. It's like you have to continuously to sell this, that this is not going to be about rankings. This is not short term. This is a complete mind shift on the way you're gonna do things. And I'd say that's the biggest pitfall. It's like you're working on it for a month. You go and do a report, your status update, which is I gathered 10 customers and I learned new things and here's the product I want to build. And they're like, how come we uh, move from position four to position five? And you just like, your head just hits the table. So that I'd say is the thing you have to be aware is likely going to happen.
0: Right. It's a strategic decision to invest in this more so than it is a tactical decision. And people fall in the trap of thinking that it's a tactical decision.
1: Exactly. Because that is the way people always approach SEO. I can't tell you how many times, like I've worked with teams and then they get an email from a board member or an investor and they're like, you know, you're working on this SEO thing, but you're completely failing because you're not ranking on this one keyword that your competitors ranking on. And they're like, that's not a converting keyword. It doesn't really matter. So that, that's all they care about. And then the team I'm working with is spun up in circles and building reports. And they're like, how come that keyword doesn't seem to convert? Because like, it doesn't convert. It's a waste of time. Like all the effort you put into that is a waste of time. And I'd add one more thing, which changes when you're doing product-led SEO versus say content-led SEO, if there was a way to call that, which is you're marshalling different resources. So when you're doing product-led SEO, you're going after thousands of pages and hundreds of thousands of potential queries. When you're doing content-led SEO, and going back to our life insurance example, you're putting all of your muscle into that one word of life insurance. And you might completely miss that there's other queries that you're generating traffic on. There's companies I've worked with that their top queries are words they've never used on their site. Just Google decided they're relevant for it. So you're putting all this muscle into it, you're building links, you're building content, you're building internal links, and you're reporting on it. And maybe it's failing, or maybe it's not failing, you just don't know. But the idea is like, you're putting all that, that effort in, and you may not ever be successful. Whereas when you do product-led SEO, you're putting all this effort in a product, guaranteed will be successful at some way or another. Like imagine Zillow was focused only on one word, or imagine Zillow was focused only on one address, and they just didn't know that they suddenly had traffic on the entire country.
0: Yep. Any last words of wisdom that you want to leave us with before we depart here? Yeah. I mean, based on the
1: the target audience you mentioned that listen to the podcast and you know, it's great to be here is there are many growth practitioners and company founders. I would say no matter which bucket you fall into, if you're a growth practitioner, the best thing you can do for your career, or if you're a consultant, or if you're just dabbling on this on your own, the best thing you can do is expand beyond what you're doing on an for SEO which is if you think longer term like if you're building out a two-year roadmap you're creating job security for you for two years whereas if you're not building a two-year roadmap and you're focused on one keyword can't tell you how many times i've been called to the map with, hey we lost our rankings and like i was afraid i'd lose my job But when you're building a you know two-year roadmap at least you have job security for two years and as long as everything keeps hitting those milestones if you're a company founder and you're building out something and it's tactical seo it's incredibly frustrating when you're not successful, when you build out a product, it should tie in with what you're doing as a company. And you'll feel so much better about SEO because you're not splitting resources between This is what I'm doing for SEO. And this is what I'm doing for the company. It should be all
0: one in the same. Love that. All right, Eli, thank you so much for joining today. I learned a ton and I really appreciate you jumping on here with us. It's great to
1: hear. Thanks, Matt and Bill.
0: Absolutely. Bill, thank you also for joining. You asked some better questions than I would have had. So I appreciate that as well. Pleasure to be here. For those of you listening, if you like this episode, there's plenty more like it. Hit that subscribe button. Check them out. If you have any feedback, anything like that, my email is matt at drift.com. Shoot me a note. Would love to hear anything that you think, things that we should have as topics, guests, whatever it might be. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I know there's a ton of other stuff that you can listen to and spend your time on. So I am very thankful and I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks.